0: Hi, I'm talking today with Paul Barry, the Executive Director of the Collision Industry Electronic Commerce Association, probably better known as SECA to those in the collision industry. And this is an organization that's been around for a number of years and has done some really great things. And Paul has recently taken over as Executive Director. So we thought we'd take some time, kind of get to know Paul and share a little bit of information about SeCA with our audience. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Tony. Thanks for having me on. Mel, no, thanks for coming to the show. Looking forward to this conversation. And let's dive right in. You know, for those not familiar with Sika who are listening, can you tell us a little bit about the organization, like when it was founded and where it's headquartered? Sure.
1: SECA was founded over 25 years ago. It arose out of the need for a standardized way for many, the many parties involved in the collision repair process to communicate. Insurance companies, body shops, parts providers, rental car companies salvage yards, recyclers. The list goes on. Everybody needed to be able to exchange information and everybody spoke different languages. So Sega was initially created by a group of body shop owners who found themselves spending a disproportionate amount of time copying data from one system to another because none of the systems spoke the same language. So it's been around for a number of years, and it's developed a great body of work that has helped the industry tremendously.
0: Well, what's SECA's mission? What is the mission statement for the organization?
1: It's a nonprofit organization dedicated to the development of software standards intended to improve the efficiency of the collision repair
0: industry. Interesting. Well, I, and again, I know they've had quite a few successes over the years, and we'll get to those in a minute. But you know, before we do, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background?
1: Uh, Sure. So I started in the insurance industry in the 1980s as a claims adjuster with Safeco Insurance. And I went out and climbed under cars and wrote estimates. I always had a strong interest in technology, though. And I took a number of roles, uh, progressively increasing authority roles over the years, more involved in the technology and the business process improvement side uh, of the claims industry. Later on, I went to work for a software company, uh, Performance Gateway, and we developed software for collision repair network management. I did independent consulting for a number of years, working on insurance systems, also paint ordering system. So a lot of that
0: time was spent in and around the collision repair area. And it sounds like you've got a lot of computer background as well, a lot of systems experience, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've been the vice president of software development. I've also been a vice president of claims, <laughs> kind of a diverse background. But it's given me the opportunity to see the industry through a couple of different points of view, and I think that's helped me understand, you know, that there are different points of view.
0: Mm. When did you take over as executive director?
1: So I joined Cica in June of this year. Um, the first couple months, I was really just kind of getting to know the organization better. I have been on the board of directors uh, with SICA for about six, seven years, and I was on the executive committee for a number of years, but seeing it through the eyes of a board member is a little different from seeing it through the (laughs) eyes of the executive director. So there's a lot to learn about the day-to-day operations of the association and uh, how the committees operate. So that's been keeping me pretty busy for the last few months.
0: Well, I can imagine. How is SICA governed? Who's on the board?
1: So SICA is a membership-based company, and our bylaws require that we have a cross-section of the industry. So we have board members from the prepare segment, software information providers, insurance, parts and materials provider, rental car companies. And I think that one of the things that keeps SICA strong is the commitment to an objective, unbiased view. I think the industry is better when all the segments in the industry are healthy, And by having cross-section from the, uh, across the industry, we get a lot of good input that we might not otherwise get.
0: Hmm. It sounds like a pretty broad cross-section. Are there committees that work on various projects? How does that work? Yeah,
1: all of the work done in SICA is done by committee. Because it's membership-based, most of the work is done by volunteers. So we have a small staff, myself and a couple other folks that do the day-to-day operations. But... All of the standards development work is done by committees. And those are volunteers from all those various companies that are our members. And we have a lot of people who volunteer from companies that may not yet be members. And so they will take a particular topic. Uh, when we recognize there's a need in the industry, we'll establish a charter. And then a committee will be formed. And that committee will work together with the SICA staff. To put together the standards that we ultimately publish twice a year. And we have two annual releases.
0: And where are you located? So
1: SICA is a relatively virtual organization. I happen to be in Seattle. One of our staff is in San Diego Another is outside of St. Louis. Our board members are from all over the country. So we're, we're pretty virtual.
0: And is there a headquarters or is that pretty much wherever you are?
1: That's, I guess, I guess that's in my my office right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, again, I'm very familiar with that, especially these days where you seem to be doing a lot more virtual meetings for obvious reasons. And actually, it works out pretty well. I think a lot of the industry is discovering that, while I don't think face-to-face will ever be replaced, it's just too valuable for the networking side of it. But there's quite a bit of work you can get done without having to hop on an airplane, which... I guess for a lot of people, has a certain level of appeal these days. so
1: Yeah, I think you know, we've spent years building tools and technology for communication that a lot of times we didn't really use it to its capacity, and I think that COVID has proven that the tools work and that you can still get a lot done without having to get on an airplane, although I, I do miss the face-to-face. and I'm looking forward to getting back and having some industry meetings together.
0: Yeah, really, a lot has been canceled this year. And I know we ourselves uh, as ASA have a lot of of events throughout the course of the year, both on the national level and at our affiliates. And it's been quite an adjustment. But again, a lot of virtual stuff is coming. I think we're developing a new appreciation of the value of things like distance learning and just how effective and frankly productive you can be working over a Zoom platform or something like it. Talking about Sika, you had mentioned projects committees. What, do you, what is SECA working on currently? Any specific issues that you're addressing? You know,
1: SECA started a number of years ago uh, developing a set of standards that have become known as the BMS or the Business Messaging Suite. And it consists of hundreds of messages, is the term we use. And each one defines a standard for how information is exchanged for a particular type of data transfer or process. We have recently completed some work for the calibration of vehicle sensors and the automated uh, driver assistance sensors. So that's been a a big project. We are constantly maintaining uh, all of our code or all of our standards. We get requests on a regular basis from different parts of the industry when they identify a need. Maybe a regulatory change will require some new information or new technology will arise. We're kind of at an interesting point right now because we have completed a lot of the work on the initial BMS uh, specifications, but we know that things are going to change in the next few years. We see the autonomous vehicles, we see connected cars, smart roads, the rise of the OEM repair standards. There's a lot going on in the industry right now that we know will be affecting us in the not-too-distant future. So we've really got our ear to the ground and trying to keep up with everything that's happening because I anticipate that in the not-too-distant future, we're going to probably be needing to turn our attention to really looking at some of these emerging technologies.
0: Yeah, well, actually, we've been quite involved in the autonomous vehicle discussion with our Washington representative and ADAS, of course, the Advanced Driver Assist Systems, uh, the calibration challenges, especially at the collision repair level, have been interesting. You know, most of our mechanical members, they may not see a vehicle like that for three or four years, but the collision guys tend to see them immediately. And I know we have worked through our collision and mechanical operations committees to help share some of that information with respect to the calibration issue and, and the equipment and everything else. Does Sika get involved in the data security discussion at all? I know we've been talking a lot about that as well.
1: You know, that's a a good topic. The BMS was developed as a way to try and strengthen data security. Now, in and of itself, does it ensure a more secure messaging? No, it doesn't. It's the payload that's being exchanged. You have to have security controls on the front end and the back end of the process to ensure that you have that security. But it does allow the exchange of just the parts of the message that is necessary. And the, you know, if you go back a few years ago when everything was being exchanged in the old EMS standard, you shared the entire estimate for everything. Well, you didn't always need to share the entire estimate. You only maybe needed to share specific parts of it. So the BMS has been developed to support a secure standard. But uh, yeah, so it is, it's a regular topic of discussion and it's something that we're all very concerned in. So I think it's, you know, it's, it will be an ever growing topic in the future.
0: I know there's been a lot of conversation around the BMS slash EMS choices. Has the choice been made by the industry? Are we basically moving to BMS now because it's a more secure system or is that still a topic of discussion? It's a work in progress. I think that we're seeing the BMS adoption,
1: you know, maybe a little more slowly than we would like but I do think that it is, it is happening. And I think that, you know, you had a lot of workflows and processes that were developed years ago using the EMS. It was simple, straightforward, and without a compelling business need to change a workflow or a process companies don't typically do so. But when they do have the need, I think that there's a recognition that the BMS is a better way to go. And so I think it is a continuing and evolving
0: process. Well, I know Sika has made some significant contributions along the way, especially as it comes to information sharing, which was the main purpose for it it being created. As you mentioned, there were some communication issues back and forth. What do you think are some of Sika's greatest accomplishments or contributions to the collision industry over the years?
1: Well, certainly, I mean, even going back to the creation of the EMS, it, it established a common language that the industry could use and that i think was a game changer uh, you know even going back a number of years ago the work done on the bms has you know taken the the combined efforts of literally hundreds of volunteers and probably tens of thousands of hours of time to develop these standards so there are a lot of companies that have invested heavily in it and so i think that standardization that it has created um, has created a, a more efficient means of communication and while we may not be there yet in terms of full BMS adoption i think all the pieces are there and it's a matter of time for them to be implemented
0: what's the time frame do you think before the industry finally shifts over do you have any feel for how quickly that'll happen
1: oh yeah if i had a crystal ball i'd tell you <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know
1: i don't know because I, it, it's happening you know it happens in parts and pieces it isn't an all or nothing kind of a proposition so, there may be elements of the e m s out there for years, but I'm hoping that the more important the bigger, more impactful workflows will be moving to the b m s you know mm. pretty consistently in the future
0: sooner than later, I'm sure yeah, well, technology does that, it tends to drive change, and Lord knows we're dealing with a lot of both these days, so
1: yeah, well, necessity is the mother of invention, and you know sometimes it's it's easy to not change until one day you have to,
0: yeah.
1: I think that's probably what we'll see is that some issue will arise that will force companies to say, yeah, we really need to get, we really need to switch to the VMS because of, again, might be a regulatory change. It might be some environmental change, but I think that it will happen.
0: Mm. Well, we've seen, certainly seen a lot of changes in all the industries based on the COVID situation. Just what we're doing for safety now and, you know, making sure vehicles are sterilized and Again, the uh, the adjustment to having to calibrate a camera when you change a windshield or a, a rear view mirror is certainly something new. What sort of issues do you see on the horizon? You're a technology guy. Anything that's coming down the road that you think is going to be uh, uh, significant and that uh, Seek is keeping its eye on at the moment?
1: Well, you mentioned security. I think that's something that we'll continue to keep an eye on. Um, obviously, the rise of the electric vehicle, I mean, the day will come where The electric vehicle will surpass the internal combustion engine. The autonomous vehicles and advanced driver assistance technology is literally exploding. It's hard to say today we'll seek a need to develop a new standard or will we need to simply continue to adapt and enhance the standards we already have. It's a little too early to say, but we do know that there will be (laughs) changes driven by all this technology. And so I think it's really a matter of uh, trying to understand in advance what that technology is and anticipate how it's going to affect the industry.
0: Hmm. I assume SICA has a website. If our listeners wanted to have a little bit more information about the organization, where would they go?
1: Sure. seeka.com. We'd love to have you come out and visit, learn more about the organization, understand about how our, our membership process works. And we would love to have people join our committees. Uh, We're always looking for interested parties who can bring a fresh perspective.
0: Interesting. And we had talked a little bit about membership earlier. You said it goes across a broad range. What is the current SECA membership? How many members do you have?
1: About 125. It comes from all different uh, segments of the industry. We've got repair providers. We've got uh, insurance companies, uh, information providers, parts and materials. So it's a it's a broad range. I'd like to see us get more involvement from the OEMs. The OEMs are setting the repair standards much more than they ever have. And this is having a big impact on the industry. So we'd like to see the OEs be more involved in the collision process.
0: And you had mentioned the committees. Actually, they have repairers on them as well. So you get the repair shop view when you're developing standards, right?
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: That's great. Well Paul this has been enlightening uh, any final thoughts before i let you go for the day
1: These are interesting times for the industry i think we're in a we're about to see a, a major change in the technology it's coming at us at a faster pace and the only thing we know for sure is that the technology is coming <laughs> and and it will necessitate change i think we all need to work together if we're going to be successful in adapting to the change uh, that the new technology is going to bring so I think that's our our focus for the future.
0: Well, if there's one thing that the repair industry is good at, it's adapting. I know there were many times in the continuum where someone said a new development in technology was going to mean the end of the independent repair community and collision repairers. I think it started with disc brakes, but it's amazing to me how quickly the technology has been adapted on the vehicles. So the need for that type of change and what you say about electrification is very true. I don't know. When it'll happen, it really depends on who you talk to, but I'm with you. I think at some point we're going to be dealing with a totally different kind of vehicle. And although some of the components will be familiar, a lot of the new uh, electronic controls that really have been integrated broadly throughout the automotive systems for the benefit of the drivers and frankly, safety, I think there's going to be a need for Sika and the products it develops over the years uh, for a long time to come. So again, glad you're settled into the new job. It's been great talking with you. We've been speaking with Paul Barry, the executive director of the Collision Industry Electronic Commerce Association about the SECA mission and what it does for our industry. If you're interested in finding out more about SECA, they'd love to hear from you. Again, you can visit their website at SECA, Paul, thanks again for your time today. It's been great. Really appreciate it and I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you, Tony. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you're brand new to the ASA podcast or if you've been here before, I encourage you to subscribe so you won't miss some of the great things we have coming up in our future episodes. Just hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and you'll be good to go. If you enjoy our podcast and find our content valuable, make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening to this. And if you're an automotive service facility shop owner listening to this podcast and you'd like to know more about ASA, I invite you to visit our website at asashop.org. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.